0: Welcome to Crossing the Jordan. Today we are going to be talking about the Sacrament of Confession. This is a sacrament that I once did not understand and I thought it was completely unbiblical and just completely against God's will. And now it's something that I go to every single week because it is that awesome. It is truly the place of sharing Jesus' victory, His resurrection power that forgave us our sins. So, Let's start it off right away. God alone forgives sins, correct? Correct. But how did he decide to do that and to minister that forgiveness? Well, let's take a look. Back in a few episodes or series ago, we were talking about the ministerial priesthood. And uh, you guys should go back and listen to it. But if you remember, there was four Roles of the Old Testament ministerial priesthood. They offered sacrifice, they served the temple, they interpreted the law, and they mediated forgiveness of sins, which God did, but through that ministerial priesthood, right? And so if we recall from that episode, there were nine times in Leviticus and two times in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament where it was talking about the the Old Testament priesthood ministering the forgiveness of sins so people would bring their sacrifices to the to the temple the tabernacle for the priest to offer on this person's behalf to forgive their sins so they made a uh, sacrificial offering for the forgiveness of their sins right and so this is not a new thing and everything in the old is fulfilled and perfected and is uh and is supernatural in the new covenant right so let's dive into the new covenant now and the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5, these are all parallel passages. And in them, it talks about the story of a paralytic being brought to Jesus. And Jesus looks at the crippled person who came for physical healing. And Jesus says, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and everybody around him are, flip out, right? Because they're like, they even say, Who alone can, for sin, can forgive sins but God? And Jesus says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Then he says to the paralytic, rise, take up your mat, and walk. And so it's an interesting response, right? Because this is God in the flesh. And all he could have said is, hey, I'm God. I can forgive sins, right? But he doesn't. He says, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And just a few verses later, He it says, When the crowd saw this, they glorified God who had given such authority to men, right? So in Jesus, in his full humanity, we see him already reconciling his divine and the human with his church to go and forgive sins, right? To have that authority to forgive sins. And then in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 22, this is right after the uh, dialogue and the commission of Jesus to the 12 apostles, giving them power to bind and loose. So if you remember in Matthew 16, he gives Peter, the only one, the power to bind and loose. But he, And he also gives him the keys of the kingdom. He's the rock of the church. But that binding and loosing that he gave to Peter... He also gave to the apostles here in Matthew 18, right, to come to the church to have this authority, right. So even in the context of giving this authority, he says, "When your brother has sinned against you, go and tell it to him, and him alone. Then bring two or three witnesses. And if they, he doesn't listen to them, bring them to the church. And if they, if, if he even doesn't listen to the church, then treat him like a gentile and a tax collector, which is a foreign, which is excommunication out of the church, right? So right after this." Um, when they're just told, all the apostles are just told to bind and to loose, which are authoritative terms. The very first thought in Peter's mind is forgiveness of sins. He says he asks Jesus, "How many times shall I forgive?" And so Jesus says, "Not seven times, but seven seventy by seventy times seven times." Right. So this perfection, to to always receive, to always forgive god's mercy and for the person coming as a repentant sinner to receive god's mercy every single time right and just like all the other uh sacraments and the gospel of john there it's remember it's the book of signs so there's miracles that point beyond themselves so when we flip to john 5 and in john 5 it talks about how jesus um on the feast of the jews jesus went up to jerusalem now, there in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who has been ill for 38 years. Now, this is, is significant because 38 years of first century Jew would have thought immediately of the 38 years of the people of Israel wandering in the desert for 38 years in Deuteronomy and in Numbers. And why did this happen? Because they kept on sinning, right? So there was sin involved in their uh, their misery of longing for the promised land, right? So this man is for 38 years ill. And he gets comfortable with it because this is what the scriptures continue saying. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been lying there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Because he has to, he has to ask this person if he wants to be healed because he is so comfortable. And the, man, the sick man says, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled. And while I am going, another steps down before me. So Jesus said to him, rise, take up your pallet and walk. And at once the man healed, was healed and he took up his pallet and walked. Now, it sounds like uh, baptism for a second because he's in water. Jesus, He's healed by Jesus. But if you noticed, he never went into the water. So then it goes on. Now, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, The man who healed me said to me, Take up your pa- pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said that to you to take up your pallet and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. After Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse befall you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews persecuted Jesus, because he had done this on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working still, and I am working. This was why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also called God his Father, making himself equal with God. And so we see in there the sign of the sacrament of confession. A person is forgiven sins, he's healed. Even more importantly, healed spiritually. He's reconciled uh, to God to enter into the temple, right? Because it just says that he was outside of the temple. and But now that he was healed, he could go into the temple. So he's reconciled with God. Go and sin no more, Jesus says. And the man went and told everybody how Jesus healed him. I want everybody to be talking about confession like that too. Because that is a true healing of Jesus every single time. And then, where does all this come from? This is the fulfillment of it. The most clear passage in John chapter 20, verse uh, verses, verse 23. This is right after Jesus' resurrection. And according to St. Paul in Romans, we are justified by Jesus' resurrection, right? So Jesus just does the entire thing that forgives us, right? That one eternal sacrifice and his resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. But right after this resurrection, he enters in to the uh, room with his disciples. And he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, which the Father sent him, and with authority to forgive sins, right? To save us from our sins. Jesus, God saves, right? His name. So I send you. So he's sharing his authority to forgive sins. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are, for, they are retained. And so this is a direct correlation of the, the forgiveness in Leviticus by the ministerial priest, right? So Jesus is giving his power to his first priests, his apostles, to forgive sins, right? And the very fact that he says whoever sins you forgive are forgiven, well, to forgive sins, you have to know what the sins are, right? So people have to come to them to tell them their sins to be, in order to be forgiven. So now people will come to them, for the forgiveness of sins and in the authority of Jesus, Jesus through his ministerial priests will be forgiving sins through their ministry, right? So it's Jesus who forgives. Now this is the perfect time where the apostles right in the upper room or in the in the room with Jesus could have just said, What do you mean? You just forgave us our sins. You just rose. But Jesus literally takes on his resurrection power and shares it with his apostles, his priests, to say, "You minister my forgiveness of sins in the sacrament of confession." Right. So we even see this in the New Testament in a few places. If we go back to John, James five, and we saw this last Saturday when we were talking about the sacrament of of, an, of anointing of the sick. So if you recall, in James five fourteen, it says this: "And is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders or the presbyteroids, the presbyters, the priests of the church." And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick man, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So right there, that is the sacrament of anointing of the sick, right? So the priest come and anoints him with oil, and uh, the Lord will forgive him of any sins that he's been forgiven. There's always a spiritual healing, regardless if we see a physical healing or not. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effect. And so, uh, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Now, it sounds like it's just in general, like confess your sins to one another. And that is awesome. We should all be doing that. Absolutely. But what in the starting in verse 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins. Well, what was just before the therefore? It was telling them to uh, come to the priests of the church. So it's only fitting in this context that they would go to the priests of the church to also confess sins to them that we may be healed spiritually right to be forgiven of sins and it's in the same context of the sacrament of anointing of the sick the last rites that someone would be healed and forgiven of any sins that they were forgiven and we also see saint paul in second corinthians in chapter 2 verse 10 it says that he is forgiving a person in the person the greek word there is like personos In the person of Christ, so He has the authority to forgive sins, and this is a direct uh, correlation back to Luke 10 and Matthew 10, verse 40, where it says, where Jesus tells His apostles, "He who hears you hears Me." So, Saint Paul, in his ministry uh, as an apostle and a priest, a bishop and a priest of the early church, he says, "I have forgiven this person in the I have forgiven in the person of Christ." So he has the very authority of Christ to forgive the church in Corinth, uh, the people that were coming to him for confession. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17-19, through St. Paul even references his ministry of reconciliation when he says this, "...if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the, the ministry of reconciliation." That is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, which reminds me a lot of the words of absolution, the words that the priests say that forgive us our sins in the sacrament of confession, which I will share in a second. But as we have seen, Jesus always wants us to participate in his ministry, Right. And I'm going to have another episode on this because it's so deep that he wants us to participate in everything that he does. And that includes his earthly ministry as a sign of the sacraments of his church to minister uh, um, that healing, those healing graces, those forgiving graces, especially in the sacrament of confession, right? So just as we have seen every other sacrament that Jesus established, there's always a minister for them, right? So every single church agrees that you can't just baptize yourself that you need another minister to baptize you to come into the body of Christ, as uh, the sacrament of baptism is, and it's just like that with all the other sacraments, and in- including confession. Because Jesus doesn't want us just to think that we have been forgiven; He wants us to know it. Jesus to the woman at uh, to the to the adulterous woman, He says, "Go and sin no more." The one, the man on the on the on the pallet that was paralyzed. Take heart, your sins are forgiven. They actually got to hear Jesus himself say, I forgive you. And so too, Jesus wants every single Christian to hear the words and to know that they are forgiven, right? He doesn't just want us to think it, to intellectually think about it. He wants us to know and to hear it, to experience it, to feel it. He reconciled his divinity with our humanity so that he could reconcile our humanity to his divinity to participate in everything that he does and to feel it as a human being. That's why all the sacraments are external signs of outward graces, To because he knows, as his creatures are made in his image and likeness, he knows how we hear and receive. We're very material beings. So in the sacrament of confession, we hear the, the words of absolution. So here's what the words of absolution are. The priest will say this at the end of the confession. So you'd go into your confession, say everything that... That you're bringing to the lord at that time and the priest will offer some guidance he'll also offer a penance right to practice uh, virtue and replacement of these sins and then at the end the the priest says these incredible words over the person that has come to receive jesus's mercy God, the father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his son has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins through the ministry of the church. May God give you pardon and peace and I absolve you from your sins in the name of the father and of the son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isn't that just beautiful and incredible? Praise you, Jesus. And uh, just a few quick testimonies about confession. My personal testimony: I go every single Friday to work on on certain small things that I want to continue weeding out of my life, pride or any other underlying thing that's creeping up in my heart that takes me away from freedom and to truly love God and neighbor as I should. Right. So um, every single time I go, which is every single Friday, is you know, I try to go every single Friday is. I feel a brand new intimacy with God and freedom. There will be times where I just feel distant, but it's actually because this like position I've put in my heart to think that I'm distant from God. And after confession, I just hear him completely clearly. <laughs> it is awesome. And you hear about, there's so many stories about how priests or bishops who are exorcists, they'll go and perform exorcisms, and if they don't go to confession, the demon through the person will call out every single one of the sins that the priest has committed. But when they go to confessions, it's literally like they were completely wiped away. Like they were never there in the first place because the the demon or whatever literally has nothing to say about the priest or bishop because the, the demon will want to taunt, to mock, or to distract The exorcist from doing his rite of exorcism, but in the sacrament of confession, your sins are completely forgiven. There's saints like Saint Padre Pio who could literally read souls. He could literally tell somebody on the other side of the confessional, which, by the way, you can do it behind a screen or face to face, but and you can't do it over the phone. It has to be in person, right? Because we're tangible beings. We're in person. We feel. We touch. We hear. So we need to be in person for the sacrament. So. There's saints like St. Padre Pio who could read souls that literally knew when a person was forgetting something or holding something back um, because Jesus would reveal that, that he would want to completely uh, wipe clean to forgive. And there's another story of a lot of, uh, I obviously read a lot about Protestant pastors coming into the Catholic church, but this guy wasn't a pastor, it sounds like, but this one Protestant who was Catholic left the church, went to a Protestant church. He even talks about how before, when, while he was Protestant, when he would make a grave sin, like he knew he like really screwed up, he would go into his room by himself and play music. He would first start playing sad music to make him, himself feel sorrowful, regretful, shameful. Then he would play music about God's forgiveness and mercy until he felt he was forgiven by God. When he came back to the reality of the truth of the Catholic Church, he went to confession and he came out and he told one of the priests that, "Yeah, Father, I didn't, actually didn't feel anything, but I know, I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I am forgiven by Jesus Christ in the sacrament of confession that He has given His Church." And so, we're gonna have another episode to talk about venial versus mortal sins or deadly sins or small sins that you bring, and what uh, other things, such as like missing mass, like misconceptions about some things that people don't understand, but. Uh, Just to end up this episode of the Sacrament of Confession, it's right there from the beginning. I'm going to leave a link again to the church fathers that talk about confession. But from the very beginning, it was there. Um, Now, it's it's taken different shapes since the beginning. In the beginning, you're going to see that it started uh, a lot with public confession. So people would stand up in the middle of the church and confess their sins. But it was always the priest that would absolve their sins. So in the very beginning, people would actually receive, after their confession, the priest would tell them what they needed to do, their penance, right, Uh, to build up virtue. And it wasn't until after they finished their penance that they would be absolved of their sins by the priest. And there were private confessions then, but it was also a lot uh, uh, of instances where it was public and in front of the entire church, at the church, and the priest would absolve them after they completed their penance. Today, it's primarily... Uh, a private confession um, for various reasons that maybe we can talk about some other time. But it's a private confession, and the priest will give a penance and actually absolve them before they do their penance. But um, Jesus knows our heart, right? We come as repentant uh, sinners. And so, and also for the sacrament of confession to work, I've always uh, thought this and said this before I was Catholic that, well, Catholics, they just think they can do whatever they want, and they go to confession, and they're they're completely forgiven. Well, that's actually not what the church teaches, and that's actually not my experience. The people that go to confession are truly like disciples of Jesus, like are really, really working on this spiritual life to be perfected in Jesus's grace, to receive his grace, to fight against uh, temptation or, uh, or certain sins or certain bad habits. It is not the people who think that they can go drinking every single weekend and just go next day to confession. Our people going to confession. But second of all, Jesus knows our hearts. And so if we go to confession, knowing that we're going to do it again, you actually are not forgiven. (laughs) If you say, Jesus, I'm repentant. Repentant means turning away, metanoia, to turn around and go the other way. That is your intention. So, that person who comes truly repentant, right? So just like Jesus says in the Gospels about the tax collector who said he was a sorrowful uh, sinner. Please forgive me, God, looking for his mercy. Repentant, humble sinner coming to Jesus' arms. Truly repentant, wanting to turn away. Jesus will, Jesus, you're forgiven. You're forgiven every single time by Jesus. But if you come with the reservation of, well, I'm sorry I did it this time, but I'm going to continue doing this. I know I am. I'm going to choose to do it again. Well, then you truly weren't forgiven. And if you tell the priest that, well, Father, I did this. I'm. It's, it's sad I'm in this situation, but this situation is going to happen again, and I'm still going to choose to do this. They actually cannot forgive you because you just said that you're not going to do it again. Forgiveness is from our uh, will, our act of the will to repent and turn away and to turn towards Christ. Right, so the very first words of Jesus: repent and believe in the gospel. To turn away, to go and sin no more. Sin is not a normal part of the Christian life. We have power in Jesus, but if we hold fast to our confession, as First John says, we have a high priest who loves to forgive us. He loves to be our savior. He loves to for us to hear that you are forgiven. I forgive you. Go in peace. Go and sin no more. You're a new creation in me. And so, yeah, get to reconciliation. Get to penance, confession. Those three names are common terms for it. But uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrament of confession. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy. We we know that you love to be our savior. And every single time we go to confession, Jesus, we get to share in that resurrection power of that forgiveness of sins that reconcile us to yourself so that we can live your divine nature as you partook in our human nature and perfected it to show us the way to eternal life, Jesus. Thank you, God. Please, Jesus, bring people more and more to fall in love in the sacrament of confession. Bring people back to your church to receive it, to know that they've been forgiven, Jesus. We thank you, God for the incredible ministry of reconciliation in your church.